ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the History of Rock podcast. His name is Brandon. He's the DJ. His name is Shim. He is the rock star. Class is in session. And ah, I know I say this about all of them, but I'm really excited for these episodes coming up here because we're doing OzFest. It was the middle finger to Lollapalooza because yep. they basically said, Ozzy, we don't want you here. And it's the the history of OzFest. We're going to go through the whole beginning of it. There was an unreleased documentary called We Sold Our Souls for Rock and Roll, and it followed OzFest 99. Some of the bands that were on that tour, Godsmack and Static X, they were not the big acts. Godsmack opened up the main stage. Slipknot was on the side stage for 99. Uh, and then uh, I believe your headliner was Black Sabbath for that one. And then you also had Rob Zombie, who was the act right before Black Sabbath. But we're going to get to all of that stuff all the way from the beginning. But we're going to jump right in here where the festival the festival was created in 1996 in response to Lollapalooza, hence the middle finger right there, because they shot him down. They said, eh, he's not really the kind of act that we're looking for. So that's uh, we're going to pass. So Sharon said, fuck it, let's do our own thing. <laughs> 100%. The first OzFest was not a national tour. It was a two-day festival. It was held in Phoenix, Arizona, Denver, Colorado on October 25th and 26th. When talking about the first OzFest, Ozzy said, rather than bite off more than you can chew, let's just do a couple of shows and see what happens. Was the pun intended? I don't know. You could be the judge. And he honestly thought that it would fall flat on its face. Yeah, he had. He didn't have any faith in it. And that's Devore, California, not Denver, Colorado, by the way. Well, sorry. <laughs> Shim's been sick. I'll just roll Cut him some fucking I've slack, everybody. Sick. Jesus. You told me to roll through him. You told me to just roll through him. Keep on going, brother. So OzFest <laughs> was kind of a way, because if you think about the time, it started in 1996. It was a way for unknown metal bands to get exposure. So uh, we're going to cover some of those unknown bands, like I just mentioned, in 99, and then some of the later years as well, because you're like, wow. Yeah, there was a time before that people knew who the fuck they were. Because this was way before MySpace. This was way before Facebook. And really, I mean, the internet existed. Like, we're not that fucking old. And we'll get to that when OzFest actually had, you know, website and things like that. But there really wasn't a way for metal bands to get recognition because radio stations never really played metal bands. You'll get the occasional radio station, which, by the way, just across the country in general here in the United States, most major cities don't have a rock station anymore. It's just, it's not a viable option, which is why they've all gone away. And there are still a few, like look at WAAF in Boston, gone, poof, just like that. But then you had JRR down in Orlando, and I think JRR was the one that would do metal weekend nights like on saturday night you're gonna hear fucking goat whore and and devil driver and things that you're not gonna hear on any other radio station so ozfest gave bands like that a a platform and dude when you're in a band especially i remember when we were starting out even in australia it was even harder when you get on a tour like that when you get on any show when you open for any band it is the biggest deal in the world. Now it's like, oh, we got on a playlist. Go and follow the playlist that we got on. But back then, dude, if you could get on the side stage, if you could play on the back of a truck out the front of OzFest, you were rock stars. The Wikipedia page says that there were large protests in 97 and 2001 to cancel Marilyn Manson's part of the show. The documentary in 99 shows that protests in general were not a foreign thing for OzFest, although in the documentary they show the protests somewhere other than the actual venue. 
Funny that. Must have been outside of church. It looked like it was sort of uh, like a downtown area. I couldn't quite tell while we were. I was watching the documentary. And something that we will get to is they there's a kind of a full debate. I think it was for the radio station that was whatever city that they were in, where you have kind of the main guy who's protesting with Sharon Osbourne and fuck like going back to then it's just it's it's crazy shit that they're talking about and like the way that this guy's brain functions it it doesn't make any sense but that's coming up here in the future so in the protests and then the documentary they say that black sabbath represents everything that is wrong one lady has a sign that says black sabbath promotes thrill killing rape murder cannibalism homosexuality, death, and suicide. Now, I want you to stop and think about this. Think about every single one of those things on that list, and I want you to realize that they put homosexuality in the same fucking list as cannibalism and thrill-killing. Just fucking think thrill about killing. that. Thrill-killing is a funny one. Be like, that, I've never even heard that. Thrill Killing. That's a, that's a good name for a band. The Thrill Killing Diaries. <laughs> I'm, pr- like, I'm pretty sure. I think there's a band that does have Thrill Kill in the name somewhere. But like, like that blows my mind that they could sit there and be like, they still, rape and yeah, murder but, and then and home. And it's like, really? Like a couple of dudes yeah. who fell in love? That's the same thing as a yeah, Thrill Kill or but fucking murder? From, there's, there's people from certain parts of certain towns that would still say that sentence, man. Oh, no. There's I, people that would say that. No, trust me. I yeah. know. It's just, it's still yeah. that as much as people want to say, like, bands like Black Sabbath were shocking. I find that so fucking shocking today. <laughs> All right. Um, in 1998, Ozfest. Sorry, guys. By the way, yeah, I, I apologize. I am getting over being very sick, so if I stumble on these, you'll have to forgive me. In 1998, Ozfest ventured outside the U.S. for the first time to the U.K. The tour overseas featured a different lineup of bands. They would return to the U.K. in 2001, 2002. And then we were talking about how there was no MySpace back then. There's no Facebook. Internet was still a thing in 1998. They set up an OzFest website, and they were uploading pictures from every night of the show while they were on tour. And back then, that's the kind of Big stuff deal. that, yeah, like this is this is how you followed along. It wasn't like everybody just had their phone, and you could sit there yeah. and go on Instagram and see what was happening on that tour that night. So to have that popping up on a website on a regular basis was a pretty big fucking deal. And you would sit there for the whole 20 minutes that it took for those pictures to load. <laughs> like a laser printer. And all of the, and the the three young people watching the podcast right now are like, what the fuck is he talking about? Yeah, they're the people um, who wouldn't know was, how a rotary phone works. <laughs> yeah. There was a merging of two tours in 1998. The Float Ride Park show on July 18th, 1998, combined with the Warp Tour 1998. 39,000 fans showed up for the 12-hour, six-stage, 48-band event. That sounds like a fucking mini Woodstock 99 waiting to happen. <laughs> oh, it? oh, and we're going to get to the Woodstock stuff, too, because obviously with this documentary, it's OzFest 99. So while they're on tour, the Woodstock 99 thing is going on. They do not have nice things to say about Woodstock. Oh, jeez. Here we we'll go. We'll get to that. So uh, in the documentary, 
Again, it's called We Sold Our Souls for Rock and Roll. Here are some of the acts that were on tour for this documentary. On the second stage, you had Slipknot, Head P.E., Static X, Fear Factory, and Drain STH. And then on the main stage, Godsmack, System of a Down, Primus featuring Buckethead, Slayer, Deftones, Rob Zombie, and Black Sabbath. That's so I got goosebumps dark. right now just, ta- just going so through those dark. fucking bands. It's kind of funny that now that main stage lineup, you could almost flip half of those bands. Like oh, you yeah. wouldn't be surprised if Godsmack would be headlining and like, yeah, you could flip half of these things. <clears throat> All right. So coming up on this, the next portion of the podcast is pulled directly from the documentary. A common question throughout the movie is, will you be touring in 30 years? Here are the responses that they got. Wayne Static of Static X said, you never know if you're still going to be valid when you're that old. Wayne passed away in 2014. So, yeah, he did not quite make it. Although there's some crazy stuff that happens to Static X during this documentary. They also asked Sully Erna of Godsmack the same question. He said, I hope I'm alive in 30 years. I can't imagine imagine Sully not making it. He's a health freak and a bad motherfucker, dude. Like, yeah, he's uh, Slayer talks about how they already sorry one second i've totally misread that slayer talks about how they're already halfway through there because they've already been around since the early 80s that's actually not that's a fair call yeah you don't walk up to slayer and say where will you be in 30s i really would that's one you'd say yeah i really would be surprised if we're still around in 30 years but they fucking are yeah they're still, still rocking fun. it's just still fucking and as badass crushing. as ever so they, inter- yeah. so they ask the bands this question, like, will you be touring in 30 years? And there's a lot of footage from the crowd. They interview this one guy, and he yells out, 30 years you've kept me alive, man. You kept me from blowing my fucking brains out, Ozzy. Thank you. <laughs> and then he goes, meet my daughter. <laughs> meet my daughter? He goes from, he's like, you saved me from blowing my fucking brains out. And then you see him like reach off camera and he goes, meet my daughter. And he drags this girl over. Jesus, man. Isn't it funny? The difference in fans, could you imagine the difference in fans from metal to rock to pop to country? Like you'd never hear a girl at a pop show saying anything like that. But the things you can get away with saying at a fucking metal show. And that's pretty out there. Yeah. They, excuse me guys. The show, they show an announcement being made over the loudspeakers that recording devices are not allowed and that moshing might take place, so proceed with caution. Isn't that sweet? Isn't that sweet of them to to put up a sign that says proceed with caution? I remember one of the biggest rounds of applause I ever got at a festival was when I took that paper sign off the rafter and wiped my ass with it. They don't give a fuck about that sign. No one proceeds (laughs) with caution. Just letting you know. Well, so this reminded me of a venue. I think it was called, it it changed names frequently. And early on, I think it was called Legends. And it was at Seminole Hard Rock Hotel and Casino when I first moved down to Florida. And it was a nice, smaller little venue where you could kind of bring in some decent acts. And I remember there was a local show going on there where they'd put together a whole series of different local acts that were performing. But the venue was adamant, no moshing. And we kept trying to tell them it's not going to work. Like you, you don't work. book that. You don't book acts like this, and then not expect. Mo- you can't tell them no, and it just created 
a huge fucking issue. There was a fights between the security guards and the people down in the pit. Um, you know, it, it, it made the security guards look bad because they had been told absolutely no moshing. So by the time they like they're telling these people, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. The fucking the, the crowd doesn't give a shit. They want to have fun yeah. and enjoy the music, yeah. which leads me to something we're going to get to here in the documentary is they talk about the security guard. Actually, I take it back. It's it's the very next thing that's coming up here where uh, they're talking about um, with, with the security guard and the guy that's kind of running the show. And you, he goes through his list of things to be paying attention to and the list of things that need to be done. And you can tell, like, I've been to enough shows. There's sometimes they just don't do that shit. Like, they just don't care. Or they just have not done their homework and tried to figure. You out. You mean they hey, don't care to run? They don't care to run through it, or they don't even pay attention to it at all. Would it run through what? Well, you saying the guy was sitting there running through everything that, that that everyone had to go through. They don't even bother to run through it with security and pay attention to that. Yeah, or they I, do it. They say it, but they don't follow through. I think. I think both. I think like I've been to enough shows where things have gone haywire that. You can tell there was no briefing early on, or there was a briefing, right. and it, either it just wasn't done right, or nobody gave a fuck because it is a mess down there. And that one venue, man, I right. still remember watching just the shit show that was down. And then, and then they would come to the radio station like, we don't understand why people don't want to come to our venue. Well, because you wouldn't let people fucking do what they want to do at a rock show, you dipshit. Yeah. Like, what did you expect? That's like that's like yeah. having mariachis and telling people you can't dance. Yeah, no, okay. I, I get it. But is it because there's like they got insurance problems, security, like they're worried someone's going to get hurt and sue I them? Because so. you can well, insure for that shit. I think so. But it, I, it was also, I believe they rented the space from the Seminole tribe down in Florida. And the Seminole I, tribe? It's the Seminole Hard Rock Hotel and Casino. It's it's on um, Native American land, I believe. Um, which what is has how that they got to do with. So what? They didn't want to get kicked out. That's essentially what it is. Like they like they had enough issues and they, like they didn't want to get the heave ho if they're known as this place where people come like fight and stuff. Okay. Oh. Yeah, it was a Fucking really. Picking... It was a yeah, really that's weird. backwards. That's yeah. I can imagine. As soon as you told me, I'm like, well, if I'm a concert goer, I would immediately say I can't be fucked. I'm just going to go to a different show somewhere else. Like, yeah, it, it's, it's just, too much fucking aggravation. It, and, and that's ultimately what happened. And the thing ended up changing. I think it ended up becoming a fucking dance club. Where yeah. there's probably yeah. more fighting going on there than there would have been at a fucking rock show if you just yeah. let people yeah. mosh. So anyway, I know I talked about Woodstock 99, so there are some moments in the documentary that have to do with that. Rob Zombie comes out on stage. He yells out, I got two words for everybody. Fuck Woodstock. Fuck that fuck Woodstock. Oh, fuck that stupid MTV motherfucking Woodstock bullshit. That's what he said. That's exactly Jesus. what he said up on stage. And did that incite? Let me. Did that incite the crowd enough to get them to fucking copy Woodstock, or did they? What well, they do? Here's the thing. So there were people lighting fires at Ozfest '99, and then they end up talking to the head of security, Val Bacheckas. I'm guessing is uh, how you pronounce his last name. He says right. people tend to light fires or destroy the, destroy the venue in some way. And then the documentary shows people lighting fires at Ozfest. They just didn't turn into this gigantic fucking, you know, just destruction that took over yeah. Woodstock 99. It didn't Probably turn just, into anarchy. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, it happened, but security knew, like, they need to be ready for this stuff. This is something that you can anticipate. And now we're going to get into the full security briefing that they have. And you can tell... I respected the hell out of this head security guy because 
he's there to make sure that obviously his client, the person that is paying him to be there, is taken care of. But when we get into it more, he wants to make sure that the the fans are taken care of. He wants to make sure that the bands are taken care of. There, they, he knows our job is security. It's not like Woodstock '99 where they paid some kids five hundred bucks and gave them a couple of T-shirts to go walk around yeah. as the fucking peace patrol. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dude, they just reminded me of that. That is that is shocking that that was their security. So going back to what Brandon was saying during this security briefing, they're talking about how to handle the crowd. How do you say this guy's name? Bichekis? Bichekis, I think. Or, or Bichekis. I, I think Bichekis. Bichekis, who was the, this is the head security guard, right? Yeah. This is the main dude. Yep. When talking about crowd surfers coming over the barricades and to help them from the waist up, he said, don't grab an ankle, don't grab their leg and crank it up because where's their head going to go? That's pretty smart. It's pretty fun. That's pretty good. I'm telling you, like, watching this, I gained a lot of respect for this guy. A lot of respect yeah. for the security guard because you could tell, he know, A, he knows his shit. He's not just some dude who thinks he's a yeah. badass and he can run security. Like, he legitimately knows what he's doing. And you yeah. would think that OzFest would get, like, best in the business. And it looks like they, they probably did here. So he talks about yeah. the security guards getting pissed off. So this is the same security briefing. And he says... Please do the whole crew a favor. Do the building a favor. Do my client a favor and go take a walk for 10 minutes and cool off if you lose your temper, okay? You're not going to do us any good taking your frustration and anger out on a kid who's just trying to have a good time and didn't realize he just stuck his pinky in your eyeball. Okay? It's real important that you keep cool heads. That's pretty, I, I, I agree with you. I have got mad respect just based off the things that you've told me, but it does go to show, say what you want about Sharon Osbourne, but she knows how to organize shit, doesn't yeah. she? Yeah, oh, fuck. She hires, She's a yeah. business lady, man. She knows what the mm. fuck is up. She's a boss. Yeah. There were some bus issues during OzFest 99. This should be interesting. All right, let's get into some bus issues. Rob Zombie said they've had four different drivers and three different buses in the span of a month. That's significant. Oh, that's a, that's, that's a lot. The tip of the iceberg. All right. So after the talks about how difficult it is on the road, Ozzy makes the comment, he's age 50, he's got to fly. He can't be on the road anymore. So he would, you know, just kind of bounce around and make it to the dates. He wasn't in any actual tour buses. But this one next, right here with Static X. Yeah. All right. Let me, let me know if you've X. ever heard of anything right. like this. Static X ended up being kicked off their bus because whoever owned the bus didn't pay his bills, so it ended up getting repoed. Fuck. I've had something close to this, but no, never got it repoed. I've had, I've had, we had to change buses for this reason. The guy, we, we, yeah, it's a long story, but basically, we normally when you get a bus you have a bus company sometimes the band owns the bus sometimes the band knows a guy who owns a couple of buses usually the best thing to do is to go with a big bus company so that if it breaks down they send you another bus that's what you pay a lot of money for but we had a period where the guy who worked for the bus company bought a bus and said if you guys want i'll give you a rate and then i'll just drive you around and we did it he didn't make the payments and then he was like listen um in the middle of this tour on uh you know september 30 Jigs up, you're gonna have to figure something else out. And we had to get a new bus company to send a bus out and swap him over because he was like, yeah, um, the business didn't really, I've gone under, bankrupt, sorry. Ha <laughs> ha, it's bye. Oops. But at least we had notice. Yeah, we had notice. 
Oh, but yeah, yeah, we we had we had situations where buses break. People don't understand how bad it is. If you're in a bus and it breaks down in the middle of fucking nowhere, like I'm talking like literally 150 miles from fucking anywhere. It's not good when you have to sit there for two straight days because they can't get a bus out. And you just sit there doing nothing, letting the toilet overflow in the heat. It's fucking horrible, dude. God. Yeah, and, and they even talk about Static X. And uh, they're kind of talking to the band about all the stuff that's going on and the fact that the bus is being repoed. And I can't remember which member. It might have been Wayne. Uh, but it might have been somebody else from the band. And they're on the bus and they're just clearing their shit out. <laughs> like they're, yeah. they're getting all their stuff off of this bus. Yeah. And the documentarian who's there, she asks, so are you guys going to trash it? And this and whoever it was from Static X is like, well, I, I don't really know what I can say with my tour manager here. And the tour manager goes, do what you want to do. <laughs> it's like, oh shit. So, okay, I guess do what you want to do. Um, so, yeah, so they ended up getting the old heave there. And again, that wasn't the last thing that happened to them. So they end up talking about how just sleeping on the road sucks. Wayne Static talks about how he had his own pillow, which isn't shocking. I mean, that dude's hair, he probably had some sort of special pillow. Um, yeah. But my question is that something that you would always have when you were on the road? Did you always have your mattress. own pillow? I had my own mattress. Look at you, I had to get pants. my own mattress. No, I had to get my own mattress because those mat. I've, for anyone that doesn't know, I'm six three and I've always had back issues. So it got to the point after a year of touring, I I was in chronic pain from just sleeping on this tiny little fucking thing that's attached to the wood. So I eventually got a mattress made for the dimensions because, in case you didn't know, a a bunk mattress is smaller than a single. It's actually like a kid's mattress. Mm. It's my whole body basically just fits into it. It's like six, four, six, five long. So when you try to roll around and you try to move around, you just smash into the sides and smash into the top. And it's so it's like being in a coffin. It's actually say, not you, fun. I was going to say, would you ever get claustrophobic? No, you just have to deal with it. Like See, there I, were times I, I, where, I yeah, couldn't, I couldn't. It's do not it, people think it's so glamorous and everything. But within I remember the first time someone mentioned I mean, they were like, because you've got the way that buses break down for anyone that doesn't know you've got the length of a bus right and imagine it broken up into threes three sections one two three the front is the lounge the middle section is called bunk alley and the back section is the back lounge bunk alley is just two lengths of bunks where everyone sleeps and there's very little ventilation within two days bunk alley smells like pure ass it just smells like fucking funk and there's nothing you can do about it. You can spray Lysol, you can wash the sheets, but when you've got 10 people sleeping and breathing and farting and fucking just being gross for eight to 10 hours a day, there's no way around it. It stinks like horror Ugh. and there's nothing you can do about it. So I, I'm not surprised, like people, yeah, I'm not surprised at all that like Static X, you could be the hardest motherfucker in the world like um, uh, uh, Ozzy. And even Ozzy at 50 was like, fuck this shit, yeah. I'm over it. Yeah, it's fucking, it's a hassle. Now, nah, so going back to Static X here, where we're talking about uh, the issue where they were getting repoed. And then they were like, yeah, it's just been a tough couple of days. So then they asked him, well, what else has happened? They had to fire a drum tech because he was scalping his passes. It's awesome. That's awesome. So I guess, I, I guess that's it. I was going to say, is that a thing that is not acceptable? I mean, if it's your pass, can't you do what you want with it? Well, you're talking about your that, backstage passes? 
it, they just said his passes. They, they didn't. I don't know if they necessarily went into details on that. They just said that he was scalping. Yeah, his the passes. reason the reason you can't scalp your passes is because your backstage passes are exclusive passes designed to only let you into the oh. backstage area where the bands and the managers and so basically some hardcore fan who's a psycho can just walk in by waving this pass and no one will stop them and then they can get in and murder the lead singer of fucking static x or some whatever like create the whole point is so uh and this this was the weird thing that would really fucking piss me off as well because i was always horrible with my passes i would lose my passes all the time one of the biggest points of <laughs> you want to hear a funny story how would you lose the pass aren't they on a lanyard i'm because no because no this is the thing that would frustrate me i would not you you put your laminates on a little uh clip and then you put the clip on your belt right okay yeah. but i would forget it and, and it would it'd knock around and it'd smack you in the ass and you have to put it in your pocket and i would just forget i never got in the habit of putting it on right emma was always perfect at it because she was a girl and she liked things to be a certain way so she would never leave without her passes she would never have this problem i always had this problem i would leave without my pass so i would go to the venue and they'd say yo just got to check your pass and i'd be like oh and sometimes if i was headlining they'd be like yeah we know it's you if i was opening they don't always know the opening act by the face of the singer. And they'd say, look, I'm, maybe you are in the band. If you are, go and get your pass. And I go, fuck, I've got to go back to the, got to go back to the bus. But if you, we were on tour with Seether and Seether, uh, Sean and I had a bit of a falling out over a few things. And it got to the point where Sean knew that I would always forget my pass. However, we've been on tour for a month. So all of the crew know me. And he instructed all of the crew, all of the security. He literally said, don't let him in without his pass. I know he's lost his pass. He's lost it for a week and we've just been letting him in because we're cool. I'm, I'm pissed. We're having a fight. Don't let him in. And I walked to the backstage venue and I saw his security guard and I was like, hey, man, it was like, uh, need your pass. And I was a couple of back and forth. And finally, I'm like, dude, what's going on? He was like, Sean's rules, new rules. No one gets in without a pass. And I was like, you mean I don't get in without a pass? That's what you mean, right? Because everyone knows I've lost it because I'm an idiot. And he was like, yeah. I said, are you serious? He said, it's my job, man. Can't let you in. I said, are you serious? He said, I'm 100% serious, man. Can't let you in. And I was like, all right. So I had to go around and get a new pass printed and made because Sean didn't want to let me in. Because that's where it, that's, that's the point that it got to. Jesus. So that's, but the thing is that realistically, they do have the absolute right. If you don't have your pass, you can't get in. It's an absolute thing where they have, for anyone that doesn't know, they have signs that they put up at the beginning of every show, nine o'clock in the morning on the day of the show, they'll have these big billboards that they'll put at the, at the entrance and they'll say like, Nickelback laminate looks like this. Nickelback can get into these areas. Cedar laminate looks like this. They can get into these areas. Sick Puppies looks like this. They can only get into the front because they're the opening band. And so, like, you can read them and you can see. And if they got they the get pass, to walk get up there. to the barricade, that's what they exactly. get. They, they just get to yeah. walk up and see everything. Yeah. And so if you sell that pass, the point is you can have, you know, Joe Blow security from just up the street in the middle of Iowa who doesn't know shit about shit. And some random psycho girl walks up and says, oh yeah, I do promo, but you've actually bought the pass off the drum tech for 150 bucks. She can get into all the way backstage and get into some nasty trouble. And that's why you got to fire that guy because you're not supposed to sell that shit. Well, it sounded like uh, Static X went through some pretty serious shit while they were there on, uh, 
OzFest 99. But that's going to be the perfect wrapping up point for this episode because when we start the next episode, and I think we're actually going to be able to get uh, OzFest done here in two, um, we're going to get to that debate that Sharon has with kind of the leader of the protesters. I believe it was done for a radio station. I'm not 100% sure. But like there's okay. like radio station logos behind them and stuff like that where they're kind of sitting there going back and forth about how Black Black Sabbath is like the worst thing on the goddamn planet and how um uh you know Sharon's like basically she she pulls the comparison like what's wrong with you know homosexuality and things like that where they're comparing it to fucking thrill killing murder and rape like yeah right. those are all on the same fucking level playing field there dude. And Sharon puts them on the spot for this shit? Oh yeah. Oh, cool. And the dude wait. has honest right. answers that he thinks he's like, I fucking nailed it. <laughs> like you hear him and you're like, this is a crazy person. And then, yeah, and, but you can tell like deep down for this guy, he's like, I'm, yeah, I'm totally winning this. I'm totally winning right. this debate. It's like, right. no, oh, I'm sorry, sir. No, you're not. But that's going to be coming up in the next episode. Don't forget, we do have the remixes dropping on Wednesdays. Last week, we talked about um, Modern Family. We're going to have another episode coming up here on Wednesday. We have the shorts that are dropping twice a week or twice a day, I should say. My channel at The Real Brandalorian, YouTube and Instagram. You can also find Shim over on YouTube. It's at Shimon Moore or on Instagram. It's just Shim. Just look for his blue check mark. But on that note, we're going to wrap up this episode and get to an encore. So his name is Shim. He's a rock star. His name is Brandon. He's the DJ class. He is dismissed. Thank you very much. Is that new? I'm saying it this time. Um, encore. So what do we got for the encore? I don't even know, man. I don't even know, man. God. God damn. It's just been it's been a long, long fucking few days here. Man. Are you tired? I'm very tired. I, you, I with the amount with the amount you've been dominating the last, especially the last four weeks. You know, now that you got those books, you've got how how much time you got? You got. Three months worth of content locked and loaded with those books ready to go. More? Maybe. I don't know. I, 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 right now, as we're recording this, I've got about a week out kind of like produced and scheduled. Like it's already uploaded to YouTube, ready to go. Right. As far yeah. as planning other stuff out, that's what I'm going to do tomorrow morning. I'm, I, so basically, my day starts, I get up at 6 a.m. Um, I flip around on my phone a little bit. I check my numbers. I go to TikTok. I go to YouTube. I go to, oh, by the way, if anybody, if you're watching this encore and you haven't found me on TikTok, it's because it's goat. The Brandalorian is where you can find me over there. And then I check the YouTube numbers. Then I go downstairs, I let the dogs out. And then from there, I'm pretty much in this back room where I'm at now for the rest of the day, unless I'm either working yeah. out or I'm driving my kid around. Like I yeah. live back here at this point where yeah. I work it's from six basically. Until I work out and then I'll go pick up my kid at three and then get her to the places that she needs to go. I'll, I live stream noon to three, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays, um, and then Tuesday, Thursday nights as well. So like my Tuesday, which is going to be tomorrow, shit, um, I'm going to be up at six and I wrap up at 10 p.m. And it's How the live stream has been working out on Twitch? Well, I'm pushing YouTube. I mean, they're on like Twitch. Eh, it's there. I don't so, yeah, really you're not, care you know. Are you live streaming on YouTube more now? Well, I mean, I, I live stream on both. Like it's simulcasts, um, right. but I really don't care about Twitch as much because right. there, there's not a whole lot that's going to be going on there. So I'm that's why and I'm building those numbers on YouTube to bring more yeah. people over to the YouTube channel. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's probably why. Like I just like I'm glad we're not recording more than one <laughs> today, more than one of these because I'm fucking 
I'm just being yeah, you're in. I had the yeah, AC yeah. unit crap out over the weekend, although I replaced a pump all by myself. Oh, yeah? Yeah, you're Big, dude. strong man. You. YouTube's the shit. It shows you how to do everything. <laughs> everything. <laughs> it's amazing. The guy dude, answered Jamie all my questions. Was- Dude, uh, Jamie was telling me that he went out on tour for like three days. Him and his cousins went out on tour and there were these influences that came with them for a couple of days and they weren't babies. They were like mid twenties, but there was a, the, the, he, he, he texted me and he said, I knew that I was the dad in the equation when a gro- when what I thought was a grown man, a mid twenties guy walked up to me with a photo of the dashboard and said one of these flicky lights went red we thought you'd know what to do oh my god and he was like did you did you look at what it said no it just it's red and it's flashing he said well it says oil so maybe you need to check the oil he said do you know how to do that and he said well do you know how to open the they didn't know anything they didn't know anything and he was like they can like and don't get me wrong i'm not like if you don't know how to, but like you said, YouTube it, Google yeah. it. Yeah. It's different, you know, or drive down the street to a, there's going to be one around a mechanic, an automobile, a fucking service station, a petrol shop, you know, I mean, fucking, that's, anywhere, figure it out. In, in all honesty, that's the, the vast majority of the stuff that I do. Like when I'm producing the videos, you'll notice on my shorts, you'll see the text running across. And I know, I know I get comments a lot about this because depending on the social media it goes up on, it can look really blurry and it can be a, like a total mind fuck um, right. because it's sitting there and it's scrolling across and it's like, oh my God, this is giving me a headache. I know it does that sometimes. That's really how it uploaded to that social media because when I produce it and I'm done, it goes by nice and smooth. I right. A, I looked that up, how to do it, but then I also kind of had to, to take information from this and information from this and then put them together to make that thing happen because I wasn't able to find a definitive answer of this right. is how you do this thing. But in general, so have you fixed it, it? No, that, there's nothing the, I can the, do about that. That's that's it's okay. how it uploads. Like when I produce it, it's fine. And for the vast majority, right. YouTube's the one I really care about. Probably TikTok would come in second and Instagram's coming in third because mm. Instagram's completely ass backwards right now. But right. um it's it's just the way that it happens to upload and generally on youtube it looks nice and and smooth now if i see it looks like shit i'll try and delete it and then re-upload it but if it's already up and running and it's already got a few thousand views i'm not gonna fuck with that right i'm just gonna leave it funny thing is i never even noticed i don't read that shit i just listen to it yeah i I had the idea when i was really first trying to focus on my own shit and i went to so i i always would flip around on instagram and maybe TikTok, but mostly Instagram. And then I started to focus on the YouTube shorts. I started watching more YouTube shorts and I saw what people were doing. They get you. One of the things that I noticed a lot of people were doing is they were putting the text of what's being said, except the way that other people were doing what it would takes like 10 times as long. It's you write the sentence and then the next sentence pops up and then the next sentence pops up. So it's, you're doing this constantly where with mine, I, it's you start at this point, you end at this point. I just copy and paste my script, and it just and it takes care of itself. So yeah. I noticed that, and I was like, "Well, shit, maybe this is something that I could try." And I'm assuming it's working. You know, by the time this episode drops, I'm hoping the numbers on the YouTube channel are continuing to go up, but we can't predict the future. But they have been so far. No, right? That's what I. That's what I've been doing on mine. I, I I have them pop up. 
I have them. I have to. I have to subtitle them manually myself. Yeah, which is a fucking drag. It's, it's a drag. It's and you have lot. to post them. You have to put like if you've got a rectangular up screen, you have to post them just a little bit lower than the middle because at the bottom they've got the text that TikTok and YouTube put there, and then in the middle is where your face needs to kind of be. But if it's too high, then your eye lines. It's like you never can quite get it perfect. Yeah, like that's why for when, the whole thing. When I was working for OG Life, and we would be doing the. Um, like we would put the end slate on something where it'd have the logo and then um, the logos for the cryptos like Ethereum and Solana yeah. and um, I think Polygon was the other one that we had. And so all that stuff <laughs> would come in, which by the way, if here's, here's a piece of advice for anybody that's looking to get into content creation. Don't do that shit because nobody fucking cares. Like you can see what? the end slate that you put on the end of something. That's why I, I, I got it to mind where I'm super short where it's just want more content like and subscribe like that's essentially that that's right. it because once you bring up a title screen or something else or it's like you're trying to promote something or do something and this is why it's difficult because i've been doing some videos to promote businesses and they're doing right. fairly well but man once we would put up that the original gamer life logo and then those the other logos you can watch a graph of this is how many people are watching and then there's some kind of people tuning out and then the second that thing would hit gone they would just nobody, scroll. They would just go. Nobody sticks right. around. And I tried explaining that to people. And they're like, well, we need to have the logos at the end. Fine. Nobody's going to see it. You're creating work for me that nobody's going to fucking see. Right. So really, so the moment that you put an end slate that says like subscribe to the channel or Gone. here's the next video, they just leave. Gone. That's okay. why I tried. So when I was doing video game stuff and god i got some funny video games clips that i really need to i need to figure out what i'm going to do with them but when i would do that when i would bring up a logo or i would bring up some sort of an end slate i made sure the conversation kept going so technically the video wasn't over because it's a conversation right. between either myself and alan or twitchy or frank or the guys that we game with and i would have yeah, that conversation yeah. continue because it's something people still want to hear yeah. It's just that that logo happens to be there. If you're giving them something they care about, they'll stick around. If it's just this logo with, hey, come check us out at our website, they're gone, dude. They yeah. don't care. Yeah, right. 